Hello, friends. Welcome to Detox Podcast. Uh, this episode is called Hide and Seek. And I am so grateful to be here with you right now. I get to record this a little early um, because today uh, it's airing on February 4th, but I'll be in Las Vegas. Uh, I'll be there with my sister uh, for her birthday. And I am really excited to go. I can't wait for the experiences we're going to have. You know why? Because I've never been sober in Las Vegas. I've always been ridiculously, ridiculously drunk in Las Vegas. And I didn't think I would ever return, honestly. It didn't make sense. Why would you go to Las Vegas if not for drinking in the streets? If not for drinking those um, crazy big cup drink things, uh, or, uh, limitless mimosas at the brunch buffets or, um, whining and dining and happy hours and clubbing and drunk shopping. And, oh, I feel like that was Vegas for me. It was just like drunken gambling shenanigans. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing but really amazing memories in Vegas, which is um, which is great, <laughs> right? Uh, it's awesome. But I never thought I could return. I was like, there's nothing for me there. There's absolutely nothing. Um, the first person to start shifting my perspective on Vegas in the sober area um, was this Instagram account called uh, Sober in Vegas. And I was like, holy shit, when I came across her, I was like, oh my God, this person is highlighting all the awesome stuff there is to do in Vegas that you could be doing instead of drinking. And that was the first time I was like, oh, maybe there is something for me there. So we're going to do all the things. There's so many things I have not done. There's always more to do in Vegas. There's so much to do. And um, actually this past summer, I was at my friend's lake and a bunch of her uh, family friends were all talking about Vegas. They're all talking about it. And I was like, oh man, I have so much to input into this conversation, but I felt like I couldn't. I wasn't there yet. I felt really uncomfortable with like diving into, listen to all my drunk stories. Haha, let's laugh about how drunk I was and how bad we felt and how horrible the airport is when you are so brutally hungover slash still kind of drunk. And like, did you even remember to pack your passport? Well, I'll tell you, all this would be hilarious if I like lost my passport now, but um, I'm going to always know where my passport is and I'm going to always know everything that's going on because I'm going to be sober and clear and fresh minded all the time. And you know what? In the past, my sister always uh, expressed interest in going to Vegas with me. And she said, I want my first Vegas experience to be with you, Denise, because you've gone, you know what it's all about. You, you know how, how to have a good time. And I always kind of, my sister's not a big drinker. She probably drinks like once every like two months, one to two months. Um, which I could never understand as a drinking person. I was drinking every day. (laughs) It's a huge difference. I couldn't understand how you would just like have one here and there. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get it. Um, and I kind of had this view that Vegas would just be me being wasted all the time, 
struggling to convince her to meet me at my level of drunkness all the time and like forcing her and manipulating her into drinking with me to have my version of Vegas. And I'm so glad we waited because now we get to go to Vegas and have her version of Vegas, which is now my new version of Vegas, which is sober. And I can't even imagine the things that I never noticed before. Like I'm so excited to like try like different, like non-alcoholic drinks, like coffees and like different things all around and have all these experiences and have all this extra money to spend on food and actual experiences instead of just like liquid trash that I am just going to never see again. I am pumped. And um, yeah, uh, this episode is called Hide and Seek. And that's sort of uh, on topic as well. Um, So Whisper and Roar is next week. It's like seven days away. I fly home today from Vegas, and then I leave on Friday to go to California to meet up with Teg Diancar to do our Whisper and Roar workshop. Oh, I'm so excited. I am. It's going to be very uh, soul-nurturing for me to uh, do my craft and just speak in such a powerful way uh, my poetry while being incorporated into such dynamic kundalini yoga, and it's going to be very very powerful. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay area and that interests you, recovery yoga, recovery poetry combined together for your wildest dreams, <laughs> uh, that you can buy tickets for on eventbrite.com whisper and roar workshop. So yeah, uh, here is hide and seek. If you quit anything for long enough, everything you threw hid killed away catches up to you just a short one but this is so very true so very true in it comes in waves you know in the first while you're still working through just the remnants of addiction how it's still in your body as we've previously uh, discussed in the last three episodes. Um, But once it starts to level out, that stuff that you drank to forget starts coming up again. That stuff that you tried to drown and kill and erase, sorry, (laughs) it wasn't erased. It never got deleted. It's like, What's on the internet stays on the internet, right? It's coming back and uh, you're going to have to deal with it. And that's kind of like the power and the beauty of recovery, actually. It's this stuff that was, it took us down. It was the stuff that was so painful and so horrible that we couldn't deal with it. And so here it is. You have to deal with it. It's like forced, uh, forced, I don't know, you have to come to terms with it. And it's like, you're face to face with it. And there's no running. There's no more running. It's there. And uh, the cool thing 
is that the universe never gives you more than you can handle. So this is, it's not like all of a sudden in like one like bang, you're going to have all of this stuff for your whole life that just gets dumped on your doorstep and you're going to have to do something with it and deal with it and feel it all. It's going to come in layers and it's going to be okay. It's going to hurt. It's going to be really horrible, but it's going to become into this beautiful thing because you're going to work through it and it is going to make you stronger and it's going to instill in you that sobriety is the right path for you because you're so much stronger when you're sober. You're so much clearer. You're able to take this and you're able to analyze it and see it in a new light and you're going to build this community around you and you're going to have so much support and you're going to try new things and you're going to have the capacity and the space and willingness to try new things that are going to help you to cope, to help you to transmute that pain into something, uh, something beautiful. Lessons. Growth. It's going to make you it's going to help you return to you to the person that you've always been. You are not all of this pain. You are this true, perfect being. And this is just the stuff that happened to you. This is just the stuff you did. And that can be worked through. You can get through it. So um, I'd like to share with you a few things that are going on with me in that realm. I've actually been doing a lot of work on this this month. Um, I've been doing this thing led by a woman named Sharon Paul, and she's a Kundalini yoga teacher. She's got this program going called Miracle Frequency. And I signed up for it. And every day, part of it is there's a journal prompt. And they're really involved. It's not just like, list 10 things you're grateful for. Yesterday, the prompt was list 108 things you're grateful for. And then don't stop there. List emotions based like that attached to each thing and how you can access the emotional points and then don't stop there. Go about your day and like verbally express to things that you are grateful for them that normally wouldn't know unless you were verbal about it. So it's not just like this little task. Every day it's pretty, pretty deep and I've uncovered a lot of stuff about myself through these things. Um, and it's been really awesome. I love it. Uh, so been doing lots of shadow work. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, uh, everybody has a shadow. It is the dark side of us. Everybody has every trait in the book. Just some traits are heightened and some are turned way down in others. We just all have a different mix of traits that makes us our individual selves. But at any time, those traits can be accessed, they can be acted out, they can be called upon. You just turn up the dial on one, turn the dial down on another. It's like, uh, do you watch Westworld? It's, uh, if you've seen that show, uh, there are these, they're like robots, but they look exactly like human, humans. And the whole kind of concept is whether or not they have consciousness and uh, they have these tablets on them and you can uh, just like push up like aggressiveness or like 
sensualness and like dull down like their I don't know sadness or like remorse and you can just tweak with that to make up whatever personality you want you can do that with yourself and uh our shadow is kind of the darker side and the shadow work is recognizing when your shadow is being triggered and that typically happens when you come across a person or a situation that makes you feel really gross and uncomfortable and there's lots of friction around it and you are trying to understand why you know there's people in your life that you just hate and you can't figure out why they're probably triggering your shadow so what they're doing is their behavior typically you might say things along the lines of I would never do that. I would never act like that. Um, I have to be careful when I say things like that because we are all capable of all things. So when you are triggered by another human being in that way and you have this dislike for their behavior or what they say or how they condone or conduct themselves, they might be shining light on the dark parts of your being. And that is very uncomfortable. So what I've been doing is just that and noticing situations that I've been in or um, people that I've come across and why friendships aren't jiving the way they're supposed to be and kind of analyzing why And what I've been coming across is uh, particular friendships, I find myself not able, or they're getting really frustrated with their behavior and not understanding why um, they can't just do things the way that I do things. (laughs) And realizing that I wasn't always the level that I'm at right now. And I have a long way to go still. And what I would want for myself is allowance and acceptance and understanding and space for me to just be and not have people judging me or critiquing me on where I'm at right now. That would feel awful. So why am I doing that to another human being? What I think is happening is that I'm seeing a lot of myself in this person, in these friends, and it's it's making me have to turn inward, and sometimes we don't like that. But I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful that I'm recognizing it and seeing it and being able to do the turning inward and uh, reflect on that and then create space for myself and those traits within myself. And in doing that, I create space and understanding for the other people in life. Um, one of the things that I most often drink to forget, uh, is something that still scares me to talk about. I still am terrified a little bit, um, of the ramifications of admitting what I've done. And I just, 
I'm sick of that. I don't want fear in my life. It serves no purpose whatsoever. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about it. And every time we talk about something that holds us and cages us, uh, we release its power over us. So uh, I used to work as an EMT on the road. And one day I was on shift and we got called to a fall. It was like a fall unknown. And when we arrive on scene, there's a man and he's laying on the ground and we're looking at him and me and my partner were like, I, is he breathing? Is this guy breathing? And we were taken aback. We were taken aback and we thought we were just going for somebody who had fallen down. We're going to pick him back up again, check him for injuries and be on our way, you know? But this guy was dying before our eyes and we both froze. And he died. And I remember his sister was there. I don't know where the hell she came from. We were outside a building somewhere. And I just remember her sitting in a chair crying. And we were there and every, it seemed like everything went wrong. And I beat myself up for years about that. How we froze. We didn't act soon enough. I always would say, what if? What if we had actually done what we were supposed to do in a timely fashion, in the time that we were supposed to do it? Would he still be alive? And that's something where faith comes in for me. Um, I can't, my guilt can't change the fact that he's dead. My guilt can't change anything. What I can do is forgive myself uh, for what I did or did not do. And in my faith, I believe that this person would have always died. And somebody said to me, Denise, this person was going to die that day. And how beautiful that you were there to witness it. That was the first thing that kind of shifted and freed me of this idea that I had just killed a person when I was there like my whole job is to save lives and I did not do that um yeah so that was one thing that really haunted me for a very long time uh the more I talk about it the more the less the less it haunts me and I really appreciate uh having this platform for me to be vulnerable and speak to you folks about it. Uh, thank you for listening to that. Thank you for witnessing me. And uh, there are many things that just keep coming up for me. Like that was one of them. I can't, I couldn't drink to hide it anymore. I couldn't forget it. It was real. It happened. I have, I had to do the work to forgive myself and, and move past it. And another thing that's going on right now that seems to be like, when I do these podcast episodes, I find it very interesting that the things that I say on the episode 
are things that manifest into my life uh, around that week. Conversations come up and I find myself in my head saying, oh my God, I literally just talked about this on my podcast just yesterday. It's interesting how it aligns like that. And uh, there's parts of myself that are starting to crop up now. Um, and uh, tendencies that I'm noticing in myself that I am so excited that I've noticed because now I can work on them. Uh, so namely, I tend to get in my own head a bit. And when I have very strong opinions about something, I fail to see the other person. It's like this wall goes up between us and all, and it's mirrored. And all I can see is myself. It looks like I'm looking at the other person and talking to the other person, but really I'm just bouncing back at myself with my own shit that I'm just throwing around and I'm not hearing the other person. I'm not listening to them. I'm not witnessing what they're trying to tell me. And I actually see things differently than what the reality is. My brain like cooks up this like other story, this other narrative that is going on and I'm reacting to that instead of what is actually happening. It's very strange. It's very confusing. And um, <laughs> it's really annoying, actually, that I'm doing this because it's causing rifts with my relationships. Um, it's reminiscent of not being able to trust my own mind uh, back when I was drinking. And I wonder now if it has anything to do with being an addiction for so long or if it's just a normal human trait where you kind of just get wrapped up in your own bullshit and you fail to be an active listener or a supportive, loving friend. So... I'm just going to take a sip of my tea here. Hmm. I've been doing a lot of reflecting on that. That's one of the things that's uh, that I have to face. And you know what? It's making me kind of reflect back on a lot of stuff that I did when I was drinking. And it was really... <sighs> makes me wonder, is this how I was acting the entire time? That I was coming up with all of this... This whole narrative that I was in, was any of it real? Am I remembering things correctly? Am I angry at people who don't deserve to be angry at because I made something up in my head? Um, I'm worried about that. And you know what? It's really um, what that brought up for me. This past week, I kind of had a little thing with my friend like that where um, I wasn't seeing what she was saying to me and I acted poorly and unlovingly. And so what happened uh, was that triggered in me this memory of when Whew. Uh, it was about four years ago, I want to say, and um, I had just connected with my birth father for the first time. We'd been communicating for a few months, and him and his wife came uh, to visit because they live in Hamilton, and I was excited about it, but I was also like nervous as hell, and I thought it was going to be all right, but the entire week, I essentially was having like this week-long panic attack. It was this overload on emotions that I couldn't quite handle. 
I thought that it would be okay because I'd never had a reaction to anything like that before. I didn't anticipate it, but that's how it happened. And what did I do? I drank a lot and he drank a lot. And I remember one night we were at my apartment and I was living with my roommate and our other friends were staying over. I had offered um, them to stay over and they were staying in the living room on the air mattress. And in my drunkenness, I was being extremely selfish. And my birth dad and I were drinking and listening to music. And it was getting to that time where you're like, you're so drunk that you're just like, let's listen to this song. Let's listen to this song. And you're kind of like in that zone where all oh, you're, you're not really doing anything productive. You're just sharing music back and forth because it's triggering moods and stuff inside of you. So they're begging me to make him go back to his hotel so they can go to sleep. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 sure. Uh, soon. But it's like two in the morning and they have to work in the morning. And I told them that they could stay at my house and I was providing them with a roof and a place to sleep. And I was then going back on that by being like, no, I'm going to keep you up all night with my drunken shenanigans. And I was acting horribly. And when they got mad at me, my friend turned to me and she was like in tears because she was so tired and so upset at what I was doing. And I could see it all over her face. But in my state, I couldn't, I was angry that they were impeding on my night. And her boyfriend even yelled at me. And that was so painful. This like soft-spoken, wonderful human was now verbally attacking me because I had made them so angry and so upset. And I remember like going back to my room and being so um, frustrated. I was going on Facebook and just like type, 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 typing away to other people and like being like, oh, these people, oh, just like venting and trying to get some sort of vali validity for my actions and my feelings. And in the morning, Oh, I even remember I, like, slammed the fridge and, like, the door shelves all broke and everything fell onto the ground. And I threw a book at my bedroom wall in my anger. And in the morning, it all came crashing down. The reality slammed into me like a ton of bricks. And I couldn't believe how I had treated the most important people in my life for this person that... I'd never known. And I spent the morning bawling my eyes out. And so when I did that again this week to a friend, that's the feeling that it invoked in me. And that's sort of how I mean, like, these things will peel back and you'll have to deal with them because that's what's peeling back for me right now and I have to deal with it. And I'm almost two years sober, and it feels so much easier to deal with now, you guys. The more time that you give yourself, the more space you get from you and your addiction, it gets easier, I promise. I have so many tools and 
I know how to talk to myself and wrap myself in love and forgiveness and know that that is the only way to then show my beautiful friends love and forgiveness and compassion is to have it for myself. I can't beat myself up for this. I cannot hate myself for this. I cannot call myself negative things, but I can accept that I have the capacity to do negative things. And that does not change who I am. It does not change uh, the love that I have and am. I can go forth knowing that I have the ability to be unkind. I can go forth knowing that I have the ability to be misguided and I'm human. And the more I can accept that in myself, the more I can accept it in other people. I am human. I make mistakes. And other humans make mistakes. And I need to give everyone space to just be. Because this is happening to everyone everywhere, right? Little by little, things are being uncovered within us. Things we shoved away for so long, no matter if you are in addiction or not, things come back to haunt you all the time, and we never know what people are dealing with. So let's be kind and give people space. And the more we can heal ourselves, the more we can heal each other. Hide and seek. If you quit anything for long enough, everything you threw hid, killed away, catches up to you. Have a great week.